0: All right, it's good to have you here at the chapel this morning. As you're finding a seat, I want to tell you that you have come to the right place at the right time. Just to remind you that Easter is a few weeks away, it comes on April the 17th this year, which is two Sundays from now. Uh, We want to encourage you to invite your friends. We have some business cards with the church information on it, map and all that good stuff, that you can take a couple and hand them out this week and the weeks to come. Also remember today, if you'd like to be a member uh, of the church and kind of see what we do and hear what we do and believe and all that good stuff, we want to provide a meal for you at lunch. You say, Pastor, I didn't sign up for it. That's okay. Uh, You can still come and we're ordering Pizza and salad, so don't allow that to stop you from becoming a member. (laughs) The pizza. Pastor, I don't know about that. Just come. All right. I am excited about this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity to come and hear your word. And Father, I, I thank you for what you have given me this week to be able to communicate at this time. And Father, I know that you have the word. It is customarily every week tailored to people's lives. And Father, I just allow you, through the Holy Spirit working in us, to reveal to us the message today. In your name we pray. Amen. Everybody say freedom. Okay, you've been in prison for years, and they say you are released. You walk outside of the gate and say again, freedom. Ready? Freedom! Say it again. Freedom! That's what I want you to experience today in your life. Say, Pastor, I I don't think I've in, been in bondage. Well, we'll see. This, this morning, I want to kind of bring back to your mind some of the things we've been talking in this series, and in then we'll go get into what God has given me for you this week. This morning, I want to remind you that shame keeps you in a cage where Jesus never intended you to be. He came to give us life to the full and abundant, even to the overflow. And, and again, let me remind you, why the overflow? Does God not know when the cup is full? Yes, in order that we can be blessed, in order to be a blessing, to break out of the mindset that, well, I just want enough for me and mine. No, 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 no. God has blessed us to be a blessing. Therefore, we look and long and expect Him to show up in our life that we might share the good news with other people. So, if He's come to give us an abundant life, The enemy comes against us with the power of shame. And I said power because it is powerful and it's a powerful weapon that he uses against God's children. And speaking into their life in shame, it keeps us striving for perfection. If I can be a little thinner, if I can be a little smarter, if I can be a little bit, you know, uh, better in business, if I can be a better mother, if I just was a better mother and a better father and a better husband, if I was a better wife. Listen, The poison of shame speaking into your life is that you did not fail, but you are forever a failure. Did, Did you hear that? The poison of shame is constantly coming into your life saying that you're not just failing, but you're a failure and out of that bad behavior flowing is your identity. Now, coupled with what we've been talking about, shame is it's an overlay of our habits and routines and lifestyles in our life and creating habits. And we've talked about how subconsciously things will come to the forefront and and really begin to act out into our life and we just call it fate because it's in our subconscious we don't even know what we're doing sometimes but until we realize it we can't bring it into the conscious and say even if it is the shame speaking to us no I will not walk in that identity that is not who I am when you come to know And make Jesus Lord of your life. As we have so many times spoke about in our church is there's a transformation that begins in our life. And so many times people stop right there. And they give their life to God and they say, you know, I'm a follower of Jesus, but they, that's where they stop. They, they just, if you would, just in that revelation that Jesus came to die for us on the cross and because of what he did, our sins can be forgiven and we can spend eternity with him. Let me tell you that they forfeit the grace that could be theirs in this life to say, you know, God, I know that you love me so much that you've come to give me an abundant life and to begin to not just stay put in the salvation revelation but to begin to mature in their belief and watch god begin through faith exhibiting his hand all through our life come on now if you came and they say about 85 percent of people come to jesus before they're even 18 which is amazing if you came to jesus after that you were 18 you know Praise God for the grace of God in your life. because. But listen, if you came to Jesus as a, as a young person and, and you begin to live that out, surely by now you go, oh, my goodness. Because I thought that I was all that and a bag of chips when I was you know, somewhere between 17 and 18, you know, that stupid stage, that we all kind of go, oh, my goodness, I wish that would be. Does anybody have a racer, you know, that we could just race some of that? that that's all I got to say about that we'll move on but when you come to know Jesus there's a there's a decision that you have to make and it's a transformation decision not just swimming in the, the revelation of salvation but as Romans chapter 12 says be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might know God's good perfect and pleasing will we all want to know God's will because we know that he'll make our path straight it'll be easier of a life So then you get into the Word of God, and you allow the Word of God to change your thinking. Now, sometimes when we start this, even if you came to Christ as a younger person, if you didn't start this until you were 35, 40, 50, it's sometimes even harder to reframe your thinking, to unlearn what you've learned, and to say, God, I'm going to lean on your Word. So the Word of God begins to transform our mind, and we we know that as we begin to get into the Word of God, and really words change our thinking. All kinds of words, not just the Word of God. That's why shame keeps coming back and trying to whisper, you're a failure, or you'll never be enough. Here's another one. Because remember, all of it it comes to those three prayer requests, not all of it, but most people would say their finances, their health, and their relationships. So just talk about your finances sometimes when God speaks into your life about being generous and you go, (coughs) could it be that shame has spoken into your life or even the enemy that you'll never, ever, ever have enough? I got people in my life that got more money ten times than I do. They got the cramp in their hand. You know what the cramp in your hand is, where they can't open it. It's a mine. Or they got the uh, crocodile arm. You know when when dinner comes around and the check is left on the table, and they they got the little arm. Like, I, I just can't get it. I can't. I'd like to pay for it, but I just can't get it. There's something that is going off in their mind, in their brain, the synapses are firing, but they're not really connecting the blessing of God in your life that you're enough, that you have enough, that you're blessed to be a blessing. This morning, I want to show you that in Isaiah 26, verse 3, listen to this out of the Amplified Version. You, talking about God, you will guard him and keep him in perfect and constant peace. Now, this is the person who's going to experience peace, whose mind, both its inclination and character, is stayed on you. Don't shout me down here. Come on now. whose mind is stayed on you, because he commits himself to you, he leans on you and hopes confidently in you. Now look at verse 4, it says, So trust in the Lord, commit yourself to Him, lean on Him, hope confidently in Him forever. For the Lord God is an everlasting rock, the rock of ages. Let me introduce you to a different way of thinking and, and I wish I would have been taught this when I was a young man because it would have changed a lot of things leading up to where I'm at right now. I, I believe that. Now, I'm going to give you a word. So there, there's going to be a trigger probably that goes off in your mind. And, oh, no, what is that? And, what does that mean? But here's the word that I want you to recall for today. And it's gonna, hopefully it, we'll take it further later. But the word shalom. Now, look into your brain and pull out what you know about shalom. I saw it one time on a Jesus movie when somebody said shalom in a Jewish. The word shalom is a mindset. And a lot of times the Jewish people would say it to one another in meeting. It, it is a word of wholeness. In our culture, something that has been taken and, and you know, You heard a lot of bad things or good things. It's politically correct or in politically correct. You know, all those things. If if we said be prosperous, people would, I don't know if we should be prosperous in the church. So let's use a word that means the same thing, but maybe has a little bit better. Wholeness in all areas of your life. That's what shalom means. Wholeness. Is anybody beside me up for wholeness in all the areas of your life? Nothing missing, nothing broken. Now think about that. Nothing missing, nothing broken. If there's something that has been lost, Jesus can fill in the void. If there's something that is broken, Jesus can mend. It's whole, nothing missing, nothing broken. It speaks to health, security, good condition, success, comfort, safety, happiness, wellness, wholeness, and soundness. It goes on. It removes all concerns. Can I say this again? It removes all concerns. So if, if, if shame is a spirit and I'm talking to shame, it removes all the concerns that I'm not enough. It removes all the concerns, shame speaking to me, that I don't have enough. I'm all that he says that I am. And he says that I am his own. Wholeness in your spirit, soul, and body, as well in your health, relationships, and your finances. Now listen, it brings us to the mindset of happiness. As we're creating habits in our life, as we've talked about in weeks previous that our brain constantly tries to find solutions to problems that we come upon so that we can multitask. When you go into a room, as we've talked about, habits are created by a cue, a craving, and a response, and a, and a reward. You go into a dark room, all of a sudden, you have a craving. Because what happened? It's dark. I can't see. I'm trip, tripping on stuff. I remember when the kids were little, you know, those Legos were worse than landmines, you know, that you're walking around. I remember my brother-in-law, his children had one of those uh, uh, little toy, you know, figurines, whatever they are, the little stuffed animals that talked. And he stepped on one in the dark and said, Hello, hello, partner. And he nearly, somebody had creeped in the house. So, so what I'm saying is, what do you do? You have a craving to see. So you just go over to the light, flip on the light, and that is the reward you can see. Stick that in your mind. We're going to talk about that. This morning, when you talk about what we have already built on in weeks previous, where, listen to this, the intense painful feeling or experience that shame comes upon us is when the intensely, I'm sorry, intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. See something we've experienced, done, or failed to do that makes us feel unworthy of love. This morning, the spirit of shame that wants to twist itself around you and dictate your identity. comes in another form and it's a form called legalism or rule following Now, now let me tell you that I fight this personally because I'm a rule follower I was raised by rule followers going to church in a rule following church everybody say freedom that's where we're going today Last week we had three young speakers and if you were here they did a great job and I've got some a lot of compliments and I appreciate you guys doing that and they spoke on the subject of the prodigal son and if you've ever heard the prodigal son if you were here or not you realize the amazing love that was the answer to the younger son the prodigal son's shame. Remember, he comes back, he falls at his father's feet and says, he's already practiced the apology and all that. He doesn't know what's going to be the outcome. But he says, I don't even deserve to be your son. That's his identity. Shame speaking to him. And he even said at the pig pen, remember, I'd be better off as a hired man instead of even his son. That speaks to his identity. That's what shame was doing, speaking into him. You're not enough because of the failure. You didn't fail. You are a failure. That's who you are. You're not his son anymore. You're a failure. He comes back, and as he's saying that, do you realize what the father says back to him? I know you messed up, son, but you can't do it again. If you just do it just right, maybe you'll get back into He says nothing like that. You can read that ten times looking for something of the father's reaction of being kind of like, mm, maybe, maybe, there, there's nothing there. He didn't say, "Son, I love you, but you smell like the pig pen stick." <laughs> Once you get cleaned up a little bit, now, now watch this, because I know that sometimes as a as a rule follower, I kind of, and I don't want to admit it, but I kind of gravitate over here to the older brother a little bit. And if anybody asks me, no, 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 prodigal son. Now, now here's what I'm saying. Everybody hears the story, and Jesus is communicating for effect. Because the audience is not only can identify with the prodigal son, but they can also identify as the older brother, depending on who was, you know, in what section of the crowd. The section of the crowd I'm talking about was the people that were considered, listen, the the rule followers, the Jewish regulatory law-keeping leaders. They were the police. They were the judges. They were the... They were the people that kept everybody following the rules. But I want you to see this. What shame does is to speak into the older brother's mind, point out the shame, because it'll make you feel better of who you are in your identity. When shame cannot get you feeling bad about yourself, it will masquerade as legalism and try to make you feel bad and talk bad about somebody else. Today, we're going for freedom. There, there's no condemnation here because if you think I'm condemning you, then I would have already been condemned. Now, what we're going to do in a few minutes, I'll get back on this, but in a few minutes, I'm going to call Lisa back up and we're going to have the power of confession through worship. When we begin to speak out of our mouth or sing out of our mouth, well, Pastor, I don't sing, just talk the words then. Let your ears hear, I'm trading my sorrows, I'm trading my. What well, the song we're going to sing. Then what we're going to do is we're going to have something that we do different today. We're going to have the parade of the redeemed. You have never gone to church with a parade. It's nothing like a Jericho march, but it's the closest thing that we have done. And what we're going to do is we're going to take the Lord's Supper, which again reminds us of our identity, but there's going to be some action behind it. Action. I'm not going to have you do a tambourine or, you know, click your heels or something like that. But what we're going to do is we're going to have four people, young people, standing up here with the communion, and we'll start on the front roads, and everybody will go to the center and and down and get a communion, and then go back and and sit down in your seat. And during worship, you'll have a chance of ever any time that you want to peel it open and, and take the Lord's Supper. We won't do it today altogether. It'll be a time during our confession, our, God, I, I can't, I, I, I'm free, I'm free. Okay, we'll, we'll kind of go through that. Don't get concerned if you're a real follower, I'll, I'll walk you through it, Okay. <laughs> The older brother gets to the place where he's looking and thinking. The younger brother should stay in shame because he has squandered what has been given him. Everybody with me on that? He begins to speak out of his mouth the identity of the younger brother. Can I free you guys up? The older brother has no authority to do that. It's only the father that has the authority. And he says, he doesn't even recognize what the younger brother is saying, the prodigal son that has come back, that's fallen on his knees. And and he's saying, I don't even deserve to be. The response of the father is by turning to the servants and saying, get the robe, which again, we we talked about this last week, or the young speakers did, covered his shame. So nobody in the, the village could see that his son was in that kind of state. He says, bring a ring, which was the family ring. We don't know what he did with the last ring. If, if he, he pawned it, he lost it, whatever, he gave it away, he's, whatever. But get him a new ring, which talks about redemption. I'm going to restore him back to his identity. It's, it's mind-boggling. And it, it looks in the face of shame and says, no. and go get sandals and put it on his feet. A servant, really a slave, did not wear shoes. It was a sign of identity for a person that was part of the family to wear shoes. The father spoke into the young man his identity, his son's identity. No, no. I'm restoring you back to your identity as my son. Now, now, this week I want you to see the older brother as he looks and the rule follower, the legalism that starts bubbling up, he says, "Come on, Dad." And if you've ever been there, and, and you think about, I, it's not, I, it's not easy being a Christian. There's a lot of things out there that I can't do as a. You're missing it. You're not experiencing freedom in your life. And and sometimes the paradigm shift comes when 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 we realize that you're forfeiting. Yeah, what? All the heartache of the person that isn't following God. You you haven't seen that. Months in rehabilitation or of a loss of a family, a loss of all the things that sometimes the enemy says that we're missing out on. So here's the older son and he's looking and he's saying, Dad, I, I've been a rule follower. You need to you need to realize that you didn't even give me a goat to share with my family or my friends. Now you're cutting the killing the fatted calf to have a party and a banquet for him. Watch this. If we forget that the older brother now owns everything, it says that the father at the first divided his possessions up, all of his assets, and gave the son his, but the older brother now owns everything. See, he doesn't even realize that he's the owner. He could have said, Dad, I want to have a party. And I want to have two fatty See, what we see is the father saying, no, you will not. You've got to be frugal. You've got to manage your money right. You can't do that. And we live with a bunch of Rules of the Father saying, Don't, don't, don't. The bubble is nothing but a big bag of no's. Come on now. Has anybody ever felt that way? I guess I'm the only one with my hand up right here beside me. Freedom. Kind of getting a little weaker in here. In Galatians chapter 5, the par- the whole story, or the, the story, the chapter of the, the fruit of the Spirit being, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, working in and through people's life that are believers to realize that shame has no effect on us, that we're going for the gold, baby. In other words, we're going for the good life, the shalom life. Pastor, calm it down. You don't know. Sometimes God says yes, and sometimes He says no. Come on, He's not schizophrenic. You don't ask Him on Monday (laughs) because no Mondays. It says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5 it says, So Christ has made us free. Now make sure that you stay free. And don't get all tied up again in the chains of slavery to Jewish laws and ceremonies. This is what Paul is talking to the early church. They come and they get free, but then they're gravitating back to all the Jewish hoops and you know things that they have to jump through. Verse 2 says, listen to me, for this is serious. If you're counting on circumcision and keeping the Jewish laws to make you right with God, then Christ cannot save you. I'll say it again, anyone trying to find favor with God by being circumcised must also obey every other Jewish law or perish. In other words, come on now. Verse 4 says, Christ is useless to you if you're coming on clearing your debt to God by keeping those laws. You are lost from God's grace. But we, by the help of the Holy Spirit, you you saw that, right? He's not saying because I'm a Superman and I don't need God. No! No! He's saying, but we, by the help of the Holy Spirit, are counting on Christ's death to clear away our sins and make us right with God. And we too, whom Christ has given eternal life, don't need to worry about whether we have been circumcised or not or whether we are obeying the Jewish ceremonies or not, for all we need is faith working through love. Love. When somebody experiences shame... They've experienced something that they did or did not do, and it leads to a place where they don't feel they deserve love. If they cannot receive God, who is love, He doesn't just have love, He is love. Sometimes our mind goes, I can't understand that. But understand that He wants you to experience love in your life. And when you say, I don't know how, God. Father, I I don't... Can can you get personal with God? Sometimes we speak in King James because we've been taught King James, maybe. Father in heaven. Can can you say dad? I mean, sometimes it's so impersonal. You think, oh, come on. Sometimes there's something that is running over and over in our mind that keeps us from receiving that love that says, okay, I'm okay. I, I can again be redeemed by what Jesus did on the cross for me and be a son or a daughter in his family. Now, now let me end with this and then I'm going to call the worship team up. Not now, but just in a second. Let me go to... Let me see this. There's been family and friends that have said, have you ever had somebody say, have you seen this movie or this TV show? And you go, no, and they go, oh, take that times 10. And what I want to do is say that to you. If you can watch the two seasons, there's about eight episodes, I think, in each season of a TV series called The Chosen. The Chosen. It's free if you have an app and all this, but come on. I I don't have the app and I wanted to watch it on TV and I think the first season cost about $3 and the second about $15. So instead of going, I don't know if I want to, come on, you probably will eat more today on your ticket than that. It'll be well worth it. But in this TV series about The Chosen, which is, it's a TV series about Jesus and his disciples. Wonderful experience before Easter. But here's what I want to point out in this whole thing up today, this sermon about uh, shame and then masquerading in legalism or rule following. Is uh, the, the the healing of Jesus at the temple, the pool of Bethesda. Some of you are familiar with that. There, there was a, a pool in the lame. It was a, a kind of a, a tradition, I believe, started by the Greeks that, Every once in a while, an angel would come down and stir the water. And if anybody was close to the water at the first one in, the pool would get healed. So you can imagine at this uh, colonnade of five colonnades and all this going on in the temple and all these people that are lame and sick laying around uh, this pool waiting for the water to be troubled and then they'd get in and whoever would get healed. Jesus comes in. Now, here's what's wild on this TV series. This is conjecture. But Jesus leaves where he's at because he tells his disciples, I think it's Peter and James and John, he goes, I've got an assignment today. I got an appointment at the temple. And they go, really? He says, yeah, it's with a man. And so Jesus comes into the temple after the journey of where he's at with his disciples. And they, he comes in and he's kind of in a in an elevated spot and he's looking down and he go, they go, where is he? And he goes, he's looking, he's looking, he's looking. There he is. The one that has been here the longest and the one that should not even be here. And he says, he says, let's go. And so they walk down and they get up to him you read the passage in the scripture you'll see that he says in the passage if if you're taking notes and you want to look at John chapter 5 he gets down to the man that is lame and he's been there for how many years 38 not six weeks 38 years he's been in this condition laying there so Jesus says do you want to get well of course he does He gets well, and Jesus says, see, that's usually my message, but that's not my message today, that he got healed. Jesus says, take up your mat and go home. So he takes his mat and he goes home. Do you know that everybody in the temple should have been doing... Macarena, I don't know some kind of dance. They should have been celebrating. They should have been, you know, striking up the band. But it says that it just so happened that Jesus did it when on the Sabbath. Anybody with me? Do you know where I'm going on this? the The people that were the rule followers, the older brother, they, they, they. Couldn't even see that he got healed. Everybody's celebrating, but there's something inside of them that he did it on Sunday or on Saturday for the Jewish. Freedom, we're getting away from that. It's a new day. We're not going to allow shame to speak in our life, and sometimes that's so obvious if it's something that we've done in our past that we're saying, oh, no. But the legalism that comes into our life that keeps us bound up from maturing, you know what I'm saying? People come and they're 50 years in the church, but really they only have one year experience because they will not go on. Let's go on. Let's experience the freedom of grace, which then leads to all the other abundant life that he's come to give us, which is what? Freedom. So that we can, again, experience it as good news of what Jesus did for us, and therefore it should be inside of us a living, you know, spring that's bubbling up and coming out. The religious leaders of that day was always, you know, they're, let me take a look at that. Sunday disqualified. Out of the thirty-seven miracles that Jesus did, seven of them was on the Sabbath. Do you just do you realize that Jesus knew the calendar? He knew what day it was. Could it just be that he did that? Possibly. I'm not, you, you think about it. Do you think that he did that maybe so that the older brother mindset could be broken? But do you know that that was the majority of why he was put to death? By the older brother mentality? There's something about that shame that comes in and then it reverses itself and says, okay, okay, Okay. And looks at the prodigal son and says, I want you to experience shame because I'm a rule follower. Remember, Jesus said, if you do not forgive those, you're not forgiven. You know the hardest thing about a strong personality being proven wrong? It's admitting it. Because you go, ooh, I was so wrong. But it's okay, because that leads to freedom. You break down the, the paradigm of what has built a painful life of not feeling that you're enough, that you don't have enough, that you'll never be enough that not only did you fail or that somebody looked at you and said, "You're, you're not all that. It could have been your wife when you were in your 20s. Maybe a child looked at you and said, you were never a good mother. People say stuff and we're in a broken world. Come on. But being a believer, we're an overcomer by the word, by by our testimony, by the blood of the lamb. We're an overcomer because he's an overcomer. And we have to push through these times that we say, I'm not going to believe that lie anymore that I'm not enough. That I don't have enough. That I'm a failure just because I failed in my past. And here... Just because I haven't failed majorly, you know, one of those big mistakes, I will refuse to look down my nose at somebody else and speak shame into their life. Jesus came to set the captives free. Can I say it again? Jesus came to set the captives free, but so many times the cage door is open and the prisoner stays right there in the cage because it feels more familiar and comfortable. Can I entice you this morning? Come on out of that. You'll experience true life. It's a new life. It's a freedom of saying, God, thank you for your grace in my life and God, thank you for the grace in that person's life. I forgive that person that spoke over in my life God, I speak confessions of how good you are this morning. If the worship team will come back. As they're coming back, I want to tell you again. If you've ever been to something where they've had you come to the front in rows, this is what we're going to do. Again, I want to ask my helpers, young adults, to take your place. And if you're at the front of the church on the first row, listen, uh, the second song Lisa is going to say now, if you'll come up and get your um, communion. Thank you, Gwen. (laughs) The little plastic cup with the little, yeah, okay. Second song, the first song we're going to have, I'm trading my sorrows. In other words, I'm, I'm, I'm making a choice this morning through my confession of this song. Then when Lisa says it's time, the second song, everybody on the front, if you're the front, you'll you'll go to your right, come up and get one of these, and then just come back and get into your seat. And then the second row can get right behind them, and you guys make a line and come back to where you are. Now here's the thing that you got to remember. When when the second song and you're making the, we're gonna call it the parade of the redeemed. That sounds pretty cool, don't. And then you get back in your seat and we go into another worship song and another worship. Anytime that you feel, again, in that time of confession, you're saying, thank you, God. Thank you. Feel free to take it whenever you want. And then we'll come back up at the end and we'll thank God together.